Gents. Nice to have the European Super League back officially. <laughs> They're hoping to launch 2024. So it seems the gist here, if you missed all of this, is they have appointed a new CEO. His name is Bernd Reichart. He is a German media executive. He's the CEO. And he says, we're coming again. This time they're going to try and last longer than just the 48 hours of April 2021. They will relaunch in three years. They're hoping to have the new season up and running 2024. So the uh, autumn of 2024. And it won't be a closed shop this time around. The original idea, of course, was just 12 clubs. That's us. You're not able to get in. This will be uh, far more equitable is what they're saying. Uh, This is still a a corporate entity because Real Madrid, Barcelona, Juventus are bankrolling it to stay in existence. And... um, He's promising in a big conversation with the Financial Times, open dialogue across the game. He says even the fans will have a lot of sympathy for the new idea. Uh, He says European competition very badly run, too many games which don't excite or capture the imagination and we are pressing ahead. The London Times has seen a dossier which has been uh, sent around to all the uh, clubs potentially interested in getting on board with this European Super League and a big problem, it seems, is England. So in the dossier, they're saying the English top flight is, quote, outgunning all continental leagues. Champions League increasingly dominated by the English. They're backed by hedge funds, public investment funds, shakes and oligarchs. And so they say the Champions League is no longer a truly open European tournament. The Champions League is increasingly dominated by English clubs and a few continental exceptions trying to keep up. So they're definitely tapping into that continental sense that... Uh, England has become, in effect, the Super League. So it's all there. We'll talk to Philippe Auclair and get his uh, take. But certainly uh, the notion, I think, that the European Super League was suddenly dead in April 2021 is not one that many of us would have subscribed to. And we all said, well, it'll be a matter of time, but it will come back. And this is what I would say is their soft launch. They went big in April 2021. That was (laughs) a big launch. (laughs) This is more of a soft launch. And here they come. Yeah, hoping that people don't arrive at the stadiums with placards and worse demanding the board's head on a plate but yeah it's harder for Gary Neville to rant about this although it's still a press release the same yeah. deal really um, are the English clubs who apologised to their fans and said they wouldn't make those types of mistakes again are they signed up here is there a list of clubs no. or is it being deliberately vague nobody's signed up Real Madrid Barcelona and Juventus are still funding There's, yeah. this uh, entity I suppose it's just a, a shell of a corporate entity now And they're also, I mean, there's an ongoing situation where they're suing UEFA in the European Court of Justice. And the result of that will be in December, the full ruling in spring of 2023. But in effect, they are the only three who are openly involved in saying this still has to happen. So nobody else has actually signed up. But I mean, you know. 
But I think that also does make a difference. So whether or not behind the scenes, you know, the four English clubs in particular, let's say for now, are involved in these conversations and are open to it and are like going to, you know, stab their fans in the back, I suppose, is the, is the way you would put it, considering the words that were used yeah. April last year. Um it's very it's harder to react in a kind of a over the top way when they are doing it on the stealth or not at all. We don't know. Uh, so I, I guess that's what it is. I mean, the hysteria that surrounded it last time, while I thought was it's always refreshing and it was God, it was an entertaining few days. Yeah, it feels over the top now when you look back at it, doesn't it? Because do you know? well, why are some power grabs more equal than others is probably the way I would look at it now considering what we were talking about last night for example. I think the most egregious aspect in April 21 was that this was a closed shop. It's us 12 teams the rest of you don't really ever get to be part of this. Mm. Whereas our but friend here uh, Bernd Reichardt is saying this is going to be open but it's just going to be European competition but way better. Yeah but it's all for like I, I still wouldn't agree with it but I'm just saying that the same people it's a lot harder for me to take Gary Neville shouting down like Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher uh, produced some of the best television I've ever seen on the Monday Night Football during the Super League debacle and they were they were truly brilliant about it right Mm. it's harder for me to take that seriously given the 18 months we've had since given the you know I feel that the complicit you know reaction to Newcastle for example that that takeover or given I suppose to, some would say hypocrisy of the Qatar World Cup issue when it comes to Neville and a few other little things here and there I just think the high horse isn't as available to them as it was then Oh okay well, yeah, it's, so I mean well hopefully the reaction to this is a bit more than Gary Neville he seems to be all we're relying on here Sure I suppose I, I but I was saying I look back on the hysteria now oh, yeah. of 18 months ago or however long ago it was and kind of like chuckle a little bit at it despite the fact that I was fully head first into it at the time yeah, well, we'll see what Philippe makes of it. He's obviously very au fait with all these matters and he'll give us a sense as to how real this is. I'm not for the Super League, Joe, just in case that sounds like what I'm no, saying. Nobody's, <laughs> nobody's for it. He'll give us a sense of how real it is and, and how likely... I mean, it's a, it's a weird thing that they're like, come and join this because all the English clubs are ruining it. <laughs> we also need the English clubs, but we'll, we'll get back to you guys. Todd Bowley's reading this going, this sounds like a but, great idea. Sorry, there is... We've got to move on. We've got to move on. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, Richie why uh, because <laughs> I, we would just we, otherwise the whole, it'll be the Super League hour which we don't quite want uh, Philippe be with us so Wednesday Night Rugby is on the way Fiona Hayes and Rory O'Connor we'll get to the squad I know you've got details in a moment uh, a conversation which will come up with Rory and Fiona Leinster Munster what does that represent to you these days is this rivalry uh, doing it for you is it popping um, in the United Rugby Championship no uh, if it happens in the latter stages of the Champions Cup, yes. I think I it's very hard to, to get worked up about any United Rugby Championship game, although I do see the merit in each one of them. Um, it, it's not something that you're going to get, I don't know, it's not going to dominate a week. Like It hasn't. Like Look, at it hasn't dominated a week's worth of build-up. It's been part of the chat that's gone on around the week. Mm. Um, but it's a bit of a, like, it's a bit of a phony war. Uh, when you consider the sides that both teams will probably have out on Saturday. Uh, they'll be missing players through injury, that's one thing, but they'll also be keeping an eye on events still to come, be that the internationals or be that uh, 
the uh, Champions Cup games to come in December. Yeah, it's not what it was, but that's yeah. because competitions aren't what they were. And I don't think there's any reversing that unless things change dramatically on the player welfare front, on the United Rugby Championship organisational front, and on even how the Champions Cup is organised now. And the balance of power, I suppose. So mm. 11 matches in four years, quite a few extra on an account of Rainbow COVID. Cups. Yeah. 11 matches, four years, two Munster wins. And if you want to go back further, their last 15 meetings, three Munster wins. So it's kind of hard to get too excited about Munster realistically putting it up to Leinster on Saturday in Dublin. Yeah. Like, they don't even need to be winning the games, but they just need, like, to be contests uh, to capture that atmosphere again. Isn't that an indictment? That we're saying, God, I hope oh, they can make a, it a contest. It's a huge indictment, but, it, like, if these games aren't contests, and I think very importantly as well, and it looks good for this week despite a huge amount of injuries, we need frontline players playing in these games. They need to, Leinster and Munster need to understand their own brands. They need a rival. They need to be rivals with each other. They mm. need to have, they need to, not scratch your head and wonder why they're struggling to sell tickets for the Aviva this weekend and say it's because this game needs to be the most important game on your calendar every year and you need to be playing your Johnny Sexton's and your Peter Matinees and everybody else. Mm. Um, I think they're going to go as fairly, a matter of real, but it looks, it looks like that weekend. is the case yeah, this yeah. weekend. Yeah, and I mean, that seems 40, to have 000. been... You would think we're creeping up towards 40,000. Yeah. It's quite good. That seems to be the way, like to Richie's point about like the URC structure, like so far so good in that. It mm. does, like, I mean, there's nothing else happening. There's no European games until um, December. until December. Obviously, there's international coming around the corner, but there's been no reason to be putting out second teams in the URC so far this year, no. which has made it so much better. No, it's true. Well, we'll see what Fiona and, and Roy think after 8 o'clock. Hey, what about the weather today? Oh, man, I was... I, I literally, I, I went out, dropped my uh, little girl to the childminder and had the baby, and we said, ah, do you know what? It's only a bit of rain. It would be grand was 15 minutes into the walk and was just sort of on the way back about 20 minutes away from the house and I was caught in the type of biblical rain that I actually didn't think re- existed in real life. Mm. I got home, it was like as if I just climbed out of a river, mm. which was good fun. Yeah, and we're not getting the worst of it, obviously. So I don't, I mean, I hope we around, around the country everybody's okay. Do you still, I presume we all do that thing when you see the flash, you start counting to the, Thunder to see how far away it is in miles. I, I, th- I thought you were going. I thought you were going to say the thing that my ma used to do, which was feverishly go around the house, plugging out everything that was plugged in, mm. for fear that something somewhere was going to surge and cause the entire house to to burn down. Which thankfully it never did. Um, but yeah, I, it was almost. Um, I, I was there's a map. I think there's like a real time lightning map that somebody had up online earlier today. And I was looking at them and there was enough flashes that you weren't really counting the amount of time between flash and bang. And there's some proper base to some of that thunder as well today. Um, this is probably anathema to people who are listening in the West of Ireland. They probably got away with nothing. Um, but like you're able to see the amount of flashes and where they were actually located on the map. And yeah, if you're in Hoth, you got some light show today. That one. I've never done that counting thing. I wouldn't have the wherewithal to do it. It's no wives tale. But there's yeah. a certain truth in it because I think if it's right on top of you, you can see the lightning and hear the thunder simultaneously. Okay. I'd say it's to do with like light travels faster than sound. So yeah. That's the yeah. obvious logic. But I, I think, I used to think it was one second equals one mile. Okay. Which can which lead to a chilling a- conclusion. <laughs> but I, I think it's actually one mile for every five seconds. That's it, worse. It would be incredible if the, if the, the physics of it uh, equated to such a, uh, an easy to measure time distance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
one mile equals one second. Yeah, no, that's too easy. I think it might be even worse than that. I think it's one mile every five seconds. Okay. One, two, three. <laughs> Surely four, not. Five, one mile. I like the way you're saying it's travel worse. that slowly. I thought you were saying it's worse as if it's like it's more of an imposition upon all of us to watch these flashes to hear this thunder and go, <laughs> oh God, it's terrible. Are you afraid of lightning, Joe? No. I was okay. uh, working earlier. You and it should was, be. Was Have a bit of respect. Was, well, sorry, yeah. I mean, I'm sure respect I, the weather, Joe. I haven't actually checked the news. I hope everybody's okay. I mean, I'm suddenly conscious that it's uh, far more serious for some people. But uh, no, I mean, like once it's it's safe, it can be kind of a, a pleasant enough thing in its own weird way. I'd say you've experienced that on the golf course more than once over the years. Standing in under the trees. Well, I don't know Are you meant, supposed to do that? I don't think so. Have you ever heard the You're siren? supposed to stand under the trees. I've had the siren and everyone runs in, yeah. So I haven't waited out in it. I'm not sure if you're meant to stand in the trees, stand under no. the trees, actually. Lee Trevino was struck by lightning three times. <laughs> Why is that funny? Go yeah, he was. I just wasn't expecting that. Like. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, I presume on the golf course, but famously Lee Trevino lightning. I'll dig it up for you. <laughs> this is uh, <laughs> riveting. This feels like a slight tangent of the news around here. Yeah, yeah. Several times. I think three. Have you ever been struck by lightning? 53106 for 30 cent. Text in if you have a head. I mean, we'll get all the texts in uh, this evening. We should really push on. The news round is upon us. It was a turbine, a turbine, a wind turbine in Arklow that was struck with lightning today and is on right. fire, which doesn't sound great to wow. be honest. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, look, the golf course uh, can be one of the more dangerous places famously yeah uh, I, I i don't know if you're meant to stand under a tree or not i wouldn't i, I would doubt it actually and i don't know why get I, in i think jumped the, to my mind yeah, yeah exactly the news round is brought to you with gillette in association with movember effortless shave magnificent mo you can sign up or donate at movember.com we have richie mccormick bringing us through the day's news so andy farrell's named this squad then yeah, six uncapped players included in that Ireland squad for next month's Autumn Internationals. Leinster Trio, Kieran Frawley, Joe McCarthy and Jimmy O'Brien are joined by the Munster pair of Calvin Nash and Jeremy Lockman. And having captured uh, captured Emerging Ireland, captained even Emerging Ireland, I'm not sure of South Africa, he probably captained, captured him too. Uh, Conor Ford, Keen Prendergast also gets the nod. Jacob Stockdale's included, meaning he could earn a first cap since July of last year. Interestingly, several players do make the cut despite having little or no rugby under their belts this season. Among them are the Leinster pair, Hugo Keenan and Jemison Gibson-Park. There are concerns remaining over Ty Burns' groin injury, but the Munster forward has also been shortlisted. James Lowe, Keith Earls and Ian Henderson all miss out through injury. And with the Ireland A game to come against the All Blacks on November 4th, Farrell and Co. have named a 12-man annex devoted to that game at the RDS. The most experienced among their number is the Munster prop Dave Kilcoyne. Also included are Munster forwards Tom O'Hearn, Dermot Barron and Roman Salanoa. They're joined by teammates Jack Crowley, Jamie Osborne and Scott Penny will also get the chance to impress on home ground. Also confirmed today that England will face Ireland at the Aviva for a World Cup warm-up match. The game will take place on August 19th, three weeks before Ireland's first pool match against Romania. And the day before, Leinster will entertain World Cup debutants Chile in a friendly at Donnybrook's Energy Park. England will face Ireland at the Aviva for a World Cup warm-up match. The last time we played England in a World Cup warm-up match... 57-15 at oh, Twickers. Killed us. That was the Ross Byrne That was the end. That was the Ross Byrne game. Yeah. What are we doing? We need confidence. I don't, I don't like those World Cup warm-up games. Well, I wish like, we didn't play Six Nations teams. I feel it, it devalues, devalues the fixture. I yeah. I mean, a rugby warm-up game is just a weird... Concept in view. general. Yeah, yeah. Let's not go full bore kind of a thing, you know. Yeah, Lee Trevino three times struck by lighting. 
Three times. That's insane. I've looked up here. So uh, the National Weather Service in America has a, a page called Lightning Myths. Oh, yeah. So I, I did. It was a myth. I was right about that. It's if outside in a thunderstorm, you should seek shelter under a tree to stay dry. Fact. Being underneath a tree is the second leading cause of lightning casualties. Wow. So do not listen to me. Listen to the American National Weather Service. Mm, interesting. Is there any chance we could roll out Graham McDowell to speak about the new Super League? Asks the Roscommon Raquel May. That's really catching on. The walking sound Beckenbauer. <laughs> yeah, I like it. <laughs> uh, look, based on uh, his willingness to talk about the Live Golf League, I suspect Graham might come on the show to defend the European Super League. We'll put in the call. So that's the Rugby Rich. Yeah, Ireland has secured at least seven bronze medals from the European Women's Elite Boxing Championships in Montenegro. Aoife O'Rourke, the most recent fighter to book a semi-final place, beating Turkish middleweight Isildar Buzrap by split decision this evening. Earlier, Kelly Harrington and Kocheline Friars advanced to the lightweight and light flyweight semi-finals, respectively. Casey Rock was the only Irish fighter beaten today, losing her welterweight quarter-final by unanimous decision. Yeah, amazing return. Some goal. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Seven medals, like, you know. and Of ten. And we, yeah, exactly. We'll see what happens after that. Mm. Um, unbelievable elite, uh, the elite European nation, you would have to say, in women's boxing at least. Premier League didn't really capture the imagination last night. Tonight should be much better. Yeah, Tottenham can move to within a point of Premier League leaders Arsenal if they win away to Manchester United. Uh, Matt Doherty starts for Spurs tonight. Cristiano Ronaldo dropped to the bench for United for whom Marcus Rashford starts up front. Graham Potter is hoping to extend his unbeaten run as Chelsea boss. They make the short trip to Brentford. Potter's made five changes with Conor Gallagher, Jorginho and Armando Broja among those starting. Liverpool welcome West Ham to Anfield. Jurgen Klopp making five changes from the win over Manchester City with Trent Alexander-Arnold, Costas Tsimikas, Jordan Henderson, Fabio Carvalho and Darwin Nunez all starting. Newcastle's five-match unbeaten run is on the line as they play host to Everton. Seamus Coleman captains the visitors tonight and tonight's other game is the South Coast Derby meeting of Bournemouth and Southampton. And Republic of Ireland captain Katie McCabe starts at left-back for Arsenal in their first Women's Champions League group match tonight. They're away to Lyon from 8pm. Good news on Matt Doherty. You might have seen after the Everton game that he had a big smile on his face. He was substituted, got a standing ovation and Conte gave him a big hug. And this was not long, obviously, after Conte had talked about how I'm not stupid, I'm not picking Matt Doherty if he's not any good type uh, comments about three, four weeks ago. So Conte has revealed the conversation with Matt Doherty and he said, I'm really happy for Matthew. It's nice he calls him. Yeah. Matthew. Friendly. He played a good game against Brighton, but today he was better. He was good against Brighton, but today I saw Matt Doherty of last season and I said to him, now, finally, you're the player I know. And that's why Doherty was beaming. That was nice. Yeah, that is great. Yeah, And you did get the impression last season that Conte was a fan of Doherty and it was like his Spurs career really needed it. So it was just, he got that injury at the worst possible time and then you were just disappointed to see Emerson Royale there at the start of the season. So... This he's looks back. good. He's, he's, got, back. he's back. He's got tonight and then we'll see what happens next week. Can I just actually jump in on the Chelsea thing? I'm just fascinated. Yes. Another five changes tonight. Potter is doing something I think quite interesting there. I saw them the first half against Palace. Palace should have been four or five goals up. They were absolutely destroyed. Came back out and sorted out in the second half. And then the exact same thing with Villa this week. And I haven't seen them in between, but I'm sure it's something similar. And then he's doing five. He's trying out everything he has. And it's it's brave, mm. you know, at this Ruben stage of Loftus the season. Cheek is at right wing back this, uh, this evening as you well. And he is just seeing formation-wise and player-wise what's available to him. Takes a lot of confidence to do that. We've seen so many managers wilt mm. at the uh, going into a big club and saying like, you know, God, every, every result's important. Stick to our first 11. 
And I think this is going to be rewarded in the long run. I think it's actually an incredibly interesting uh, approach. Now, we'll probably find out there's a load of injuries tonight or something like that, but it's definitely something he's been doing. I haven't seen them, especially his in-game adjustments on Sunday. I thought won Chelsea the game. The cricketers back on track, Rich? Yeah, they certainly are. Curtis Camfer's unbeaten 72, got Ireland's T20 World campaign, World T20 World Cup campaign back on track uh, this morning. His innings helped Ireland beat Scotland by six wickets and Hobart keeping alive hopes of a place in the Super 12s. Ireland's final pool match is against the West Indies on Friday. All four teams now in Ireland's pool are on two points. They have a win each. George Dockerell helped Camfer to their fifth wicket stand and knows they need to make another step up if they're to progress to the next phase. I think, yeah, just keep getting better um, game to game. You know, with the ball, we know there's bits there that we can improve upon um, throughout that, that, that match. You know, I thought Scotland batted brilliantly in, in certain periods and put us under pressure. Um, so making sure we keep, you know, taking those chances, trying to reduce that total if we can um, and, 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 you know, doing a little bit better with it with the bat, making sure that we're setting that platform up and, and being able to bring it home. But look, we'll take a huge amount of confidence from, uh, from that game and, and how we went about our work um, into Friday's match. Now, next story, interesting. I wouldn't think the Tour de France has great memories of Ireland, but... <laughs> yeah, no, the Minister for Tourism, Culture, Arts, Geltalk, Sports, Media and whatever art you're having yourself has announced a joint North-South bid to bring the Tour back to Ireland. Catherine Martin joined Economy Minister from the North, Gordon Lyons, MLA, in bidding for three stages of the Tour in either 2026 or 2027. Le Grand Depart previously took place here in 1998. The 2014 Giro d'Italia, meanwhile, began in Belfast with the third stage crossing the border, travelling from Armagh to Dublin. What a wild time in the history of the Tour de France 1998 Vestina scandal oh yeah the bust in Dublin it's all been cleared up then and literally the next year Lance faster than the dopers of the year before cruises home I always found it funny I remember reading a book about the Vestina scandal and I always remember like only we would just like saunter into a situation and find ourselves in the middle of the biggest scandal in the sports history what's going on here up and ourselves like oh Jesus we've the Tour de France now with it, you know <laughs> <laughs> this big deal, like, you know, building up to it for Is years. Is this your vehicle, sir? <laughs> What's in the boot of the vehicle, sir? <laughs> what, are, what are these for? <laughs> so, Evan Ferguson? Yeah, he celebrated his 18th birthday today by signing his first long-term professional contract with Brighton. The Republic of Ireland under-21 striker scored his first senior goal for the Seagulls back in August in that Carabao Cup win over Forest Green. Ferguson's new deal will keep him with the Premier League club until June 2026. You notice we went straight towards the typical Garda accent there. Why yeah, not? it's terrible, isn't it? Why yeah, is it it's... never a Dublin guard? When was the last time you met one? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny, isn't it? It is funny the way we went to a stereotypical uh, uh, guard of voice. What is the... What do you have today here, sir? What is the percentage of country versus Dublin guards in the force? Uh, off the top of my head, Joe, I'll just give you the factual answer. I've no idea, but it does seem to be... I don't know. You're also not allowed to be stationed near where you're from. So if you live in Dublin, as you do, you're probably going to become across more uh, Gardaí from the country than you would from Dublin. Unless that's a myth as well. Who knows? I'll have to check that weather channel again yeah. to see if I'm I, right. I don't know many guards, but I know one who lives in Dublin and he's from Dublin. Is he on the beat Garda? Yeah. Okay, well then. Yeah. <laughs> a myth. <laughs> yeah. So where are we going next? So more fallout from Sunday. 
Yeah, well, the interesting thing about this was Merseyside Police said on what day today, Wednesday, on Monday, uh, that they hadn't had any official reports about uh, incidents arising from that Liverpool Man City game. But they have confirmed today that Manchester City have made a complaint of alleged criminal damage to their team bus. The complaint follows City's 1 0 Premier League defeat to Liverpool. An image showed a damaged windscreen after an object was thrown at the vehicle on leaving Anfield. Inquiries are ongoing and police have appealed to the public for evidence. Mm. I mean, the other thing that's coming out is. Uh, Klopp is either threatening or taking legal action it seems having been accused of xenophobia so that's the other uh, headline news from this whole thing For, it is and, and you would have to say understandably so we were talking last night about how restrained he was yeah yeah I know I mean for what was a blatant pull of the jersey it's generated an awful lot of controversy <laughs> this whole thing Haaland yanked Fabinho onto the ground. The most straightforward decision ever. Yeah. You could talk about, we could talk about uh, whether VAR should be interfering in ways that the referee doesn't. In every, you know, there's all those kind of things. But that's standard that it happens. Mm. VAR is disallowing goals. We can talk about the wider thing. But the idea that City were robbed is purely in their imagination. Yeah. And it's something that they've, again, dug into and made a story out of, uh, which I think is the theme of a lot of what we're talking about with Manchester City this week. Mm. Rich, do you want to bring us a last story or two? Yeah, Champions Antrim have been awarded with seven places in the Joe McDonough team of the year. Saffron's goalkeeper Ryan Elliott, defenders Joe Maskey, Jared Walsh and Owen Campbell. Midfielder Keelan Malloy and forwards Cunnell Cunning and Kieran Clark are all named in that 15. Kerry have four representatives, Carlo two, Offaly one and Down also have one. And Jordan Brown was beaten 4-0 by Lee Hang in their Northern Ireland snooker open second round match at the Waterfront today. Uh, this evening, Aaron Hill is looking to build upon last night's shock win over Judd Trump. He is up against Tom Ford, not the designer at the waterfront at the moment and Ford has taken the first frame of that match. Uh, Mark Allen is in action later on as well. He takes on Andy Lee and again, not the boxer. A few texts in. Don't stand under a tree. Get in a car. It acts as a Faraday cage. Safe as houses, says Baz, the physics teacher. I did have to look up a Faraday cage. It's a, an enclosure used to block electromagnetic fields. Good man, Baz. Does the car have to, to be turned on? A lot. Does the car have to be turned on? I have I a feeling again, but without I have a feeling that it's the electricity generated from a car being turned on is what. The other thing to say is, don't take our advice. Like, go and check it out somewhere else. What do we know? But that's Baz, the physics teacher. Sounds <laughs> legit. Uh, speed of sound is three hundred and forty-three meters per second. Not far off on the mile every five seconds. Yeah, you were right, according to anonymous texter. But I believe him. Speed or of her. sound is three hundred forty-three meters per second. That's fast. Multiply that by 60. <laughs> <laughs> when you think about it. <laughs> the speed of sound is fast. <laughs> Breaking news here in the news round. Well, stop and think about it. 343 <laughs> metres in a second. I'd never actually checked what the speed of sound was. <laughs> Slower not, than the Concorde. It's better not be a montage. Slower the than the Concorde. The speed of sound is fast. <laughs> Somebody also makes the point. Oh, God. Richard. <laughs> we also lost David Wallace in a warm-up game against England prior to the World Cup 2011. That's right. That's true, yeah. On the sideline. Yeah. He got tackled. Do you not remember that? Yeah. Oh, it was a bad one. I remember him getting injured, all right. I don't remember the incident. It was horrible. He was on the yeah. sideline and it was... You know, there's certain positions in, in all sports where you're a bit vulnerable and mm. one of them in rugby is when you're trying to stay in, in field yeah. and yeah. You're, you're off balance and you can be smashed. 
The other, the the football equivalent I think of is when it's like when a fullback is clearing a ball up the line and striker comes across and can really yeah. leave one on them. Yeah, the the Wallace one was really bad, and we've had about fifteen text messages along these lines. Lee Trevino famously held his one iron up in the air when there was a lightning strike, claiming even God can't hit an iron, a one iron. That's not how he was struck. Not really. <laughs> Whether he was or not, that is definitely a tale because I swear to God, I think we have 25 texts saying the same thing. All of them attributed to Lee Trevino, except for one person who says it was Seve. There's a Happened lot to the priest in Caddyshack as well. Did it? And Father Stone, yeah. of course, struck by lightning. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. One of the great episodes. Uh, I there are just there's a lot of BS around Trevino, so I just I don't know, but I think he I, like it. They've been struck, struck by lightning, lightning three, three times. times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other than that, it's all questionable. Yeah, it's just it's too good a story, isn't it? We, you're making eyes at me. We've got to go. I'm looking at the clock. Okay, <laughs> Richie, thank you very much. We are out of here like the speed of sound. <laughs> Michael, thank you. Thanks.